Good morning, everybody. Uh, on the front row over here is my family and the friends of my family. And it is a delight for me to have them. I prepared the sermon without knowing that they were going to be here. So nothing is great than that this morning. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. Luke 8, 40. This is a familiar story to all of us. It says, Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him. They were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl about twelve, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowd was almost crushed him. A woman was there who had been subject to bleed for twelve years, but no one could heal her. She came behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. And they all denied me. He said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. And Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out of me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him. How she had instantly been healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Would you bow with me? Father, today we are grateful for your word. We are grateful for the opportunity to worship you. Our songs, our prayers, in understanding you from the revelation that you have given. And Lord, we just pray today, especially for. A manifestation of your Holy Spirit. Be with us as we continue to worship. And everything that we do, Lord, find it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In this story, we have a woman. And the woman had been sick for 12 years. She had what's called in the King James an issue of blood. And she lived doctor after doctor. It was no better, but it was rather worse. You can imagine the condition she was in. Then the Bible says that she heard about Jesus. And she thought, well, maybe this is an opportunity. So she went to where he was, and everybody was crowding around. And she went in, and then she leave her way there, and just touched the hem of the storm. And in an instant, she was healed. And, uh, uh, Jesus said, somebody touched me. And, Everybody was looking around because people were crowding around him. Finally, Peter said, Well, work. Everybody's going to be touching you. He said, Yes, but I've got the power of evil. The woman noticed that she couldn't begin uh, not to be healed anymore. So she acknowledged what had happened. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. And in the verse you just read, it talks about it's healed you, but it's more than that. It means that every part of her had been made whole. And I want for us to look at three ways that she was made whole and how this applies in our lives today. First of all, she was living emotionally whole. And you can imagine her life, 12 years, having this sickness and going to every doctor, probably every crack, quack in the area, now trying to find somebody that might be able to do some good for her. She was not even better. She actually made the condition even worse. 
And you can imagine her loneliness because she was, according to the Old Testament Mosaic law, unclean because of this. And when a person was unclean, like with leprosy or any other condition, they were not allowed to be around other people. In fact, they had to cry out, unclean, unclean, as they went into the streets so that other people could avoid them. And so on this occasion, she was breaking the law to crowd in to be able to touch Jesus. She'd been lonely, probably forsaken by her family, forsaken by her friends because of the condition, and she'd done everything that was possible to be better, but nothing to help her. Emotionally, as well as physically, this had to take a toll on her. And, you know, I was thinking that if everybody here has gone through some very difficult times before. Some people worse than others. Some grew up in abusive situations. Abused physically, emotionally, sexually, all kinds of abuse that they have faced. That, that affects them for the rest of their lives. And then all of us face situations where people reject us, they hurt us, they offend us in some ways, and so all can be very difficult emotionally, it can make a strain for us. I was reading uh, about a reporter that wrote a story about a parakeet by the name of Chippy. Well, the, the, the female owner of it decided that she was going to clean his cage and she used a vacuum cleaner. That made sense. And everything was going well until the phone rang. And so she reached over to get the phone and forced Chippy was sucked up into the vacuum cleaner. Of course, she heard this sound. And she turned off the vacuum cleaner, she opened the bag, and there was poor Chippy, just covered with dirt and dust. And so she did what she thought was the best thing. She pulled it out, took him up under the faucet, and cleaned him off under the faucet. Well, then it was wet, so she took out a hair dryer and she began to clean it. And so he had been sucked, he had been drowned, and he had been hit by a hot hair dryer. Well, later on, there was a reporter that had done the story, and he wanted to check up on Jimmy to see how Jimmy was doing. And she said, Well, Jimmy doesn't sing much anymore. <laughs> Sometimes we feel like that. We don't say that much anymore because emotionally, life can be really hard. And having faced situations, maybe at your job or even in your family or with your friends, where it just seems so bad that you didn't even want to go on any further. When I was teaching at the seminary years ago, uh, there was a lady that came in. She was a psychologist and she was teaching the course books. And I was over that department, so I, I sat in on her classes, and she was talking about how, you know, when you are under stress, uh, adrenaline flows into your body, and that's great. If a bear is chasing you, you might have enough adrenaline getting the extra energy so you can get over the fence and for the bear. That's great, but it's, it's not so great 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you don't fit the switch and turn it off, to what she said was the parasympathetic nervous system. It, unless you shut down, then it affects all the organs of your body. You can have heart attacks, high blood pressure, uh, kidney disease, all kinds of things because of stress. 
And so she talked about, I believe that maybe probably referred to August 4, 7, 8. That is, in order to relax, you don't have to think about it. You can uh, breathe through your nose for four seconds, and then hold it for seven seconds, and then breathe it out for eight seconds. So you need to try that, but I know you don't have a lot of stress. <laughs> but anyway, uh, she talked about this, and it actually does work. And it turns on the parasympathetic. You can do that two or three times a day. I, I sometimes when my blood pressure gets a little bit high, I do it. And it goes down to 10 or 15 points just with that technique. But she added something to She said, you know, imagine yourself being in a pleasant place like on the beach, inside of yourself. And as you're breathing out, imagine that all the bruising moments of your life are flowing out of your body. And then when you breathe in, imagine the Spirit of Christ coming to the blood. And so Christ fills up so much that there's no room left for any of the bad in the moment. The moment that she touched Jesus, her life changed. And she became a joyful person. Now, I'm not saying that Christ is going to take away every depressing moment of your life. You know, the doctor prescribed you some medication, take it, for goodness sake. But I think he makes all of our lives so much better. I, I've watched study after study, and it's found that people that are happiest and healthiest are those that are very religious. Those that have the greatest faith are actually happy. Now, I wonder why that is all. It seems to be maybe it's because. We feel like we're not alone. There's something bigger than us, and we're not just here to live 70 years and die. We're here with a plan and a purpose. Christ made her emotionally whole. Then Jesus made her physically whole. You know, if you read certain scriptures in the Bible, we can be a little bit confused. In James 5.13 says, is any one among you sick? Call together the elders of the church. And then it says, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick well. That's good. Call together the elders and pray. And then uh, even more so in Mark 11, 23, Jesus said, if anybody has faith, you can say to this mountain, move here to there, and the mountain will fall into the sea. And then he answered, uh, finishes, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believing that you have received it, and it will be yours. I've never preached on this exactly before. This is one of us. You know, we pray for a pastor and boss. We pray earnestly. As hard as we could. And we pass away. We thought I'd hear our prayer and God answer. What happens when the mountain does not move? Now, those of you that are here and have been coming on a regular basis know that my former wife died of cancer. Her name was Andrew. And we found out on the day that she retired when she had cancer. And at first they said to why not even be cancer exactly? But on that day that she found out that he was cancer. 
And we certainly began to pray. She had chemo. She had a lot taken out of her flesh. But then some months later, we found out that it probably had spread to both of her lungs. And they couldn't remove both of her lungs. And so we prayed. You know, every church that we were part of, there were many during that transition time, everyone praying for her. Uh, everybody, there are people around the world praying for her, uh, earnestly, fervently praying that she would be healed. And she was praying. And you know, amazingly, there were parts of that prayer that were answered. She prayed that she could spend time with her boys. I think boys are here right now. And she spent time with my, well, we spent time with my youngest son. He came every weekend and we got to see him and we got to see, see my granddaughter and all that. And then we, we came to, to Guadalajara and stayed with my oldest son for a while. Then we came back and we rented an Airbnb for about three months to see if we wanted to move to Ahi. And my son came virtually every weekend. We bought a new place here and he still comes virtually every weekend. He moves things to my house that should not be moved. He does not put them back in the We we uh we went to Barcelona where my little son lives and we spent seven weeks there. It was a great time. We saw all of Barcelona, we took the cruise in the Mediterranean in all the cities. We flew to Greece and Andy off the park line. We came back to Barcelona, flew to Amsterdam and Seeing all the canals and all the museums, that was wonderful. We came back here. She also, well, we also traveled together because one of her prayers was God would let her go through her bucket list and the bucket list was traveling to different places. We went to Canada to see a bunch of friends there. We went to South Dakota. Uh, she flew to Alaska to see her two sisters and was on it. That part of the prayer was answered. She prayed that she would not be in pain. And that was answered as well. She had a lot of little pain. Most of you that were here saw her. She actually started our choir again. And she directed that until she did not learn anything any longer. Um, just a little bit of pain for about a day when uh, the cancer that was in her brain was pressure. She took, uh, the doctor gave her uh, a medication, a strong kind of uh, anti-pressure thing, and the, the pain went away. There was really not much else on uh, pain. She prayed that she would not be asphyxiated when she got to the end, but that she would have died and not be able to breathe. And she didn't. That was not a problem either. And then one of her prayers was, God, don't give me dementia, both her parents of my dementia. She was more afraid of that than she was dying. In fact, throughout the whole thing, she had great faith. And she says immediately, I know that God is going to heal me, either in this world or the world to come. And she said, I'm okay with whatever is this decision. He didn't heal her from 
cancer, which is what they all wanted. He did answer a bunch of other questions. I'm personally grateful that she found out we had almost two years together. And I can say those were the best years of my 45 year marriage. And I took the things that I've learned from that and something that I've already given. There are a few things that I wanted to point out. First of all, when we pray in Jesus' name, we pray in faith, it is not a light switch. It's not automatic. It doesn't happen always exactly that way. You remember Paul had authority to question over exactly what it was. Apparently it was something physical. And he prayed three times and God would remove it. And God said to him, My grace is enough for you. You don't have to have it. Timothy had some kind of stomach problems, a young man. And instead of being healed, Paul told him, Make a little line with the stomach. It was obviously not a Baptist because he didn't know that. <laughs> there was a friend of Paul. Companion, and he had some kind of illness in America. He was going to heal. And you know, even with the even with the ones that Jesus healed, this later on they all died. So the healing was not automatic. One lesson is it's not automatic. Another lesson, apart from that, is that sometimes the answer is no. In Mark 6, we have a strange verse. Jesus was coming back into Nazareth. The Bible says that because of their lack of faith, he could not do any miracles there. Only the laying on of hands and a few healings. I'm sure that I completely understand that because Jesus healed some of the people. He had the power. But maybe he realized he could not do it because it was not God's will in that circumstance. And Jesus was in the garden of the city, facing crucifixion on the horrible cross. He, he really didn't want to go through that as a man, because it was going to be extremely painful. He said, Father, it's possible to take this cup from me. But then he added, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Even Jesus didn't get exactly what he was asking for. Because he came into the world by the cross for all of us. I also learned that when God answers, he's going to do what is best. I'm grateful for all the prayers that he answered in every one way. For some reason, God knows what is best. And he doesn't always give us what we ask. Because sometimes, we ask for the wrong thing. I, I said that Andy was afraid of the vision. One thing that she said to me one day, she said, you know, maybe it's God's plan that I die, because I would rather die than face the vision. And maybe if I had lived long enough, that would happen. She said, I really do not want that. And finally, from God's perspective, it's so much different than ours. In Psalm 116, it says something really interesting. It says, Precious in the sight of the Lord when his saints die. We think that death is the worst thing that could happen. 
for the glory of God. When Lazarus was raised from the dead after four days in the grave, God was wonderful, but later Lazarus died. From God's perspective, just imagine. The only way to truly be ushered into the presence of God is through death. So death is part of what we face in this life. We are given, the Bible says, three, four, ten, seven years, give a day. Well, you're living no more all the time. Yeah. But <laughs> God is God's been done. And when we die, it's not the end, it's the beginning. Sometimes God doesn't give us what we ask because we're asking for the wrong thing. This woman touched Jesus and she was made emotional whole. She was made physically whole. Finally, she was made spiritually whole. The greatest problem that we all face is sin. It says in Ecclesiastes 7.20, there is not a man who is righteous and that has not sinned. Every one of us has sinned. And all the other problems, the physical, the emotional, those may be terrible for a while, but they're not going to last forever. They do not last longer than our lifetime. But sin is the only one that has an eternal consequence. And it's amazing to me, at the end of the Bible, when Jesus had people coming to him, he forgave their sin. You, you remember the woman who uh, was caught in adultery? And she was brought before Jesus, and the Pharisees were ready to stone her with stone because that's what uh, it was declared in the Mosaic Law. And they said, Should she be stoned with death? And Jesus said, The one that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And they all left one by one. And then Jesus said, Where are your accusers? And she said, They're all gone. He said, neither do I condemn Go and sin no more. There was a paralyzed man that was brought to Jesus by his four friends. The house was so crowded they couldn't get him in the house. So they went up on the roof and they took the part of it off and they let the man down. And when Jesus saw him, he did not heal him first. He said, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and others began to criticize him because he forgave sin. He said, Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say, Take up your pallet and walk? And so he said it to the man, the man picked up his pallet. The man that had been paralyzed got up and walked. But the sin is the all issues. What a joy to know. Whatever you've done in life, terrible things and bad things, all of those can be forgiven. God can forgive whatever you have done. There is no sin so big that God can't forgive. And through His Son Jesus Christ, He's done exactly that. You feel guilt. I still feel guilty. If I do something that's wrong, I feel terrible. Guilty about it. It's good to know that Christ is going to that too. In another couple of weeks, we're going to be gone for two weeks. My new wife, I'm not going to lie. We're going to Louisiana. 
And the main reason for going there is because they're dedicating the education building in the present where we worked for many years. They're dedicating the education building and the study. She did amazing things. Uh, she was really smart. Uh, my boys say that any thoughts that they have about her, they probably right. But one thing I'm going to be doing here is I'm going to be one of the four of the parole boards to speak on behalf of the enemy. This enemy's name is Arthur. He became a Christian and he went through Bible college and I interviewed him and he came to our prison along with about seven or eight other inmate chaplains and they turned the whole place upside down. People talk about a foxhole experience or the inmates conversions are not real. I can tell you, I've seen some people completely transformed in part of this one another. He tells me that one time he was in Angola, one of the most dangerous prisons in America, and he and one of all the chapters before their conversion were sitting there smoking marijuana, passing it back and forth and doing other drugs and doing some terrible things. Arthur said one time his life was so miserable he had such a purpose. He thought about killing himself. He was on the top of a building in and there was a fence. And he thought about just jumping over the fence and dying. But when he came to Christ, all of that was changed. He touched Christ and he was emotionally changed. Never again. Uh, was the contemplating suicide. He said, he's one of the most joyful people that I've known. He was also physically evil. He had uh, prostate cancer a few years back. And it seems to be pretty rare for an inmate to be cured of prostate cancer because often they don't get the kind of treatment they need. He's cured. I touched him and healed him physically. Bigger than any of those is that he was touched spiritually. And not only did he become a Christian and dedicated, but he became a minister. He came to our prison. He was completely unselfish. We had some large rooms with about 160 people in the huge bar. And he purposefully volunteered to go to the worst of the dorms where all the young troublemakers were in order to have an influence. Even though he lost a lot of privileges to be able to stay there, he had a tremendous impact upon the young guys. They knew about his life before. He was very tough and, and old. People were afraid of him, but all that changed. Now, he, some of those young men were given the life of Arthur also took it upon himself. He just one of his main ministers was to go around with a cell block. People that had done bad things in prison, and they sometimes were put in the cell for a long period of time. He would go up and down the hall talking to one person after another. Sometimes he would preach a sermon to one man. And then ask him. But mostly he just talked to them, listened to them, cared about them, and he helped change the lives of many people who were there. We thought Arthur was probably going to spend the rest of his life in prison. But miraculously, the Louisiana legislature changed the law, so he's eligible for 
And as it happens, uh, the day that I go to speak a couple of other times in prison is the day that he goes before the throne of the Lord. And the fact that I was a, an assistant warden and that a deputy warden, I'm not saying that that's going to get him out, but it's certainly going to help. And it's my privilege to be able to do that because he found something. He's not the man that he used to be. They say, Sometimes on the outside, what they call on the streets, people can pretend to be a Christian for an hour or two a week. But in person, they see you every day, 24 hours a day. And then they say you can't pretend. You either know that they are genuine or they are not. And he has lived a consistent life year after year. He touched Jesus. Jesus made him holy. Augustine said, God made us for himself, and our souls are restless until we find our peace with God. God needs to pray. Gracious God, let's go and thank you for who you are and what you are able to do. God, we thank you for the times in our lives that you have answered prayer. You have healed us. We pray today for your healing as well. That your grace, mercy, love, and peace be in all our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.